Welcome to Attachment Theory in Action, a weekly podcast presented by the Knowledge Center at Chaddock. Join host Karen Doyle Buckwalter for an insightful, informative, and inspiring conversation with leading researchers, authors, and clinicians discussing issues in attachment theory. Today, Karen welcomes professor and author Dr. Carol George to the show to discuss her work in developing the Adult Attachment Projective Picture System. Part two will be released on April 26th. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Attachment Theory in Action podcast. I am your host, Karen Doyle Buckwalter, joining you here from Chaddock for another great and exciting, I hope, episode of the podcast. Today's guest, I am absolutely thrilled to be able to introduce you to. And for those of you who are familiar with attachment research, her name is going to be very familiar to you. Today, I am going to be interviewing Dr. Carol George, and we are going to be talking about the AAP, which stands for the Adult Attachment Projective. But first, before she joins us, I want to give you some information about her really esteemed background. Dr. George uh, is a professor emerita of psychology and a distinguished research fellow at Mills College in Oakland, California, where she has co-directed for 21 years the Mills College Infant Mental Health Program. Dr. George is an internationally renowned attachment expert and teaches courses and training in attachment theory and assessment. She received her doctorate in developmental psychology from the University of California at Berkeley in 1984. Dr. George developed the adult attachment interview with Drs. Bain and Kaplan. Before working with Dr. West, who she developed the adult attachment projective with, she also developed the attachment doll play assessment for children ages 4 to 12 and the caregiving interview for parents of children prenatal through age 12. The development and validation of these assessments helped her in terms of her development of the AAP or again, adult attachment projective. Dr. George has read researched many aspects of attachment. She's written many research articles and book chapters on adult and child attachment and caregiving. Her books include the Adult Attachment Projective Picture System, which again is what we will be focusing on today, as well as books with others, including Attachment Disorganization, which was published in 1999, and Disorganized Attachment and Caregiving, which was published in 2011. In addition to all of this, she's the assistant editor and on the editorial board of Attachment and Human Development and director of the International Adult Attachment Projective Training Consortium. Dr. George does extensive clinical consultation, integrating attachment in treatment across the lifespan. Many of our listeners know 
how much I love the adult attachment interview and my own training and use of it. Uh, so this is got me kind of walking on cloud nine that we are going to be able to have Dr. George with us on the podcast today. So please stay tuned. Our interview will be coming right up. Supporting children and families who have experienced great loss and endured extreme trauma is a daunting task. At Chaddock, we have the experience and the longevity to understand the type of support needed to keep the best and brightest engaged with this work. This July, the Knowledge Center at Chaddock launches the Developmental Trauma and Attachment Institute for helpers who seek to be rejuvenated and revitalized in their work with children and families. This type of renewal and confidence is a natural byproduct of gaining specialized knowledge, advanced skills, consultation, guidance, mentorship, and most importantly, being in a community providing the experience of being seen and understood. We have designed an experience and a soft place to land where all of these needs will be met in one central place. For more information on the Developmental Trauma and Attachment Institute, to join the waitlist for more information, or to sign up, visit tkcchattock.org. Well, Dr. George, as somebody who loves attachment theory and attachment research, I couldn't be more thrilled to have you with us today on the Attachment Theory in Action podcast. Thank you so much. We're going to be talking today about the adult attachment projective. Um, but you have several other measures uh, that you have helped to develop that contributed to the journey of, of coming up with the adult attachment projective. And I wondered if you could just briefly speak about some of those. I think sure. that was interesting for our listeners. Sure, because there's always a history. Um, so it all started with the adult attachment interview, which you have, you and your listeners are, are likely well familiar with. I know you said you were a reliable judge. Uh, the adult attachment interview is actually a product of my dissertation when I was working with Dr. Mary Main uh, in her laboratory as a graduate student, and we collaborated with uh, who is now Dr. Nancy Kaplan, uh, who continues to use the interview, uh, AAI. Yes. And... Um, the AAI, as you know, is a, a very laborious task, fascinating. Um, that will be relevant to the AAP in a bit, um, especially after transcribing the entire, I, as a graduate student, I transcribed the entire set of Mary Main's original uh, transcripts. Those were my dissertation transcripts. And so, wow. Um, no computers at that time. IBM Selectric. <laughs> Thank goodness for many years of practicing piano scales, I think. Oh, so amazing um, to hear that. Wow. A member of our lab was Dr. Judith Solomon, then a graduate student. And she and I uh, have been colleagues for 45 years. And uh, we launched in directions that were different than what Mary Main uh, basically wanted us, um, in part because we were mothers and we were interested in the, what John Bowlby calls the caregiving aspect of the attachment caregiving relationship. Yes. Uh, traditionally, when one, Judith is reliable in the AAI, uh, excuse me, on, on the strain situation. Um, and we were doing strain situations in Mary Main's laboratory. 
there's there was a an instruction at the time that we were to pay attention to mostly the child and even though we talk about the mother and even though Mary Ainsworth describes maternal behavior in her original papers and in, in yes. the 1978 book, um, Judith and I felt there was more. Mm. And so now graduated, we launched off on our own, basically, and also explored areas that were of interest to us. And one of those areas was the caregiving system. So we developed a, uh, we had permission I have to acknowledge uh, Dr. Arietta Slade, yes, uh, who was very generous with her parent development interview, and gave us permission to use, to modify and use that interview. The modifications were basically shortening the interview, okay, uh, in a research project that Judith and I were involved in for mothers and kindergarten-aged children in our community. Uh, we evaluated that we, we, Judith and I have always taken a different approach than the adult attachment interview in our thinking about the work, our work. And that also uh, influenced the AAP very much. Uh, we, we were interested in what John Bowlby described were the defensive processing portions of attachment theory, which have not been explicated by any other researchers except for she and I, and then for Mac and I in the, Mac West and I in the- Yes, AAP. Could I may I comment Please. on that for a minute? Please. So I, as I was reading your different articles about the AAP to prepare for this, I'm so glad that you're bringing up this point because I'm like, why don't I know about these processes? Like, surely as somebody who has worked so much with the adult attachment interview and read so much about, I'm like, wait a minute, what? Where? how did I miss some of this? And so it's, a relief almost for you to say we were the we're the ones that decided to hone in on this it wasn't being written about other places and it was very rich you see mary main was it not is a very rich mary main was a philosopher and came into her graduate work in psychology through the, through her interest in philosophy her degree in philosophy uh, which is why the analysis of the AAI is organized around coherence and discourse. Yes. Uh, it's, and I know that you've read and others have read the history of the AAI analysis plan, which she developed, uh, even though it was part of my dissertation, the actual interview, uh, I was busy raising two children trying to finish the dissertation and she went on ahead with Ruth Goldwyn uh, originally. And then Eric Hessen came on the scene some years later. Um, to develop the analysis system, which is quite brilliant, but it doesn't really, in my view, tap the core principles, all of the core principles that John Bowlby uh, and Mary Ainsworth described. So yeah. Bowlby, being a psychoanalyst, uh, was interested in defense. Uh, you know, yes. mental representation is an extrapolation of psychoanalytic theory. And he finally got to defensive processing in his lost book, the 1980 volume. And tried to describe how, uh, he, I think he, excuse me for, for breaking off my sentence. Uh, he, he, I think he was trying to simplify uh, basic psychoanalytic defenses, which in some venues get a little out of hand. There's so many of them. Yes. Um, and he was trying to simplify how it was a person could basically repress, and he talks about repression, 
uh, what were the processes involved in repression? And at the time of his writing, uh, there was a cognitive revolution happening in psychology, and he was well-versed in what we would call cognitive information processing, which is now just called cognitive theory, mm -hmm. um, in addition to being well-versed in Piagetian cognitive developmental theory. So he, he was interested in how the, man, how the mind sorted uh, information. And he used the word information, which got him in trouble. And I think one of the reasons that defense wasn't pursued more carefully by others in the attachment field is, and then, then he got dinged by the psychoanalyst as well, as he used the word information to include affect, but he never really said that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it was all just attachment, right. uh, attachment figures, attachment experience, the affect associated with those experiences. And uh, he called all of that information. Um, so the, the point being that it, I think it just didn't attract attachment theorists uh, and researchers' attention. Um, he wrote about it strictly in terms of laws. Judith and I picked up his model and attempted and succeeded in operationally defining how you would measure these three forms of defense that he uh, described. Uh, one was called deactivation, a second was called cognitive disconnection. The word cognitive got him in trouble again. Uh, that was his version of splitting. And uh, deactivation is a bit like denial. I don't know that we ever made an explicit link to the psychoanalytic defenses. And the segregated system was his third, which was what he considered to be repression. And he describes at length how, what, what, the, what the elements of repression are in ways mm -hmm. that elaborated on psychoanalytic thinking. Mm -hmm. um, and so that led to, back to the caregiving interview, when Judith and I were reading uh, what mothers were saying, uh, we noticed that it was very important to put emphasis on uh, the specific examples that they gave. Now, I know the AAI talks about how people give examples or fail to give examples and uses that information, but we, we pretty much, in contrast to the AAI, we force mothers to give examples. Uh -huh. You can say, tell me about the last time about you okay. and your child together. Yes. And this, this is uh, a path that then deter, we, deters away from the AAI style. And I think it's even more explicit than even what Arietta Slade asked for in her parent development interview, although she does ask for examples. And it was through the use of examples and listening to how mothers describe their experiences with their child that we could then um, operationally define these different elements and then test, of course, based on the strain situation with the children. Uh, that was our validity test, a convergence. You know, did our analysis converge with what the children were showing us? Yes. Um, we expanded that. This is all kind of happening at the same time. We expanded yes. on that approach with a second measure, which we call the attachment doll play assessment. 
And again, with the generous permission of Bob MD and Inga Bretherton and the people who were part of the MacArthur Research Group, um, we were a, we were permitted to uh, to use a set of story stems that we thought were most related to attachment. Bob MD's work was originally geared towards moral development. Uh, Judith and I already had at the same time, a set of doll play stories. You know, when, when something is happening, everybody's doing it, right? Right. Um, we had a set of doll play stories, but we liked theirs better, <laughs> <laughs> which is they were simpler. They were to the point. I don't think we ever even analyzed the stories that we uh, developed with that group. That was the same group that we, where we developed the caregiving interview. Uh, but then when we on, went on and, uh, used the, the uh, doll play with another cohort. Again, our research centered primarily on ch children who were in the five to seven shift. Uh, another blank area in attachment research being the entrance to middle childhood. And we had strange situations thanks to um, Mary Main's work with Jude Cassidy, um, which was then extended with uh, the MacArthur group to the uh, Cassidy Marvin system of preschool attachment. Uh, and again, operationally define these defensive processes for, for children in their doll play. Yes. So those are the, the measures uh, that mostly contributed to the AP by the time Malcolm West, who my colleague, Mac, mm -hmm. uh, who sadly is now no longer with us, um, got to the AAP. Uh, it was clear that the AAP was a, a really different kind of measure than the AAI and that the way one approaches coherence and um, and of course, it was not autobiographical when tells stories to hypothetical characters that are portrayed in pictures, um, that there's very little of the AAI in the AAP. Uh, he, we tried to, he tried to capture some of the scales from the AAI, particularly the coherence scale. And it, it was a boondoggle. Years and years and years. <laughs> we fought, I mean, we, we could do it. But yes. it, didn't, it didn't help us understand the representation. Yes. Well, and, you know, the the you one of your articles, well, all of like several of them does this lovely job of like giving some of the stories that are given and then kind of matching them with the classification. And so I read those trying to superimpose what I know about the AAI and it didn't work. Like no. I I can't I was I, I had this predisposed idea. Oh, yeah, like I'm going to probably kind of get this pretty easily. And then I was like reading them and my brain wasn't like connecting. And then as I read more, I'm like, OK, this is why it really is quite different. It was what's different are two things mainly. One is that it's not a biography. Right. So we're not engaged in a conversation with an interviewer or a therapist about um, what happened. And the other is it's short. Yes. And yeah. so the question is, how do you extrapolate? And I think this is true for all projective free response measures. How do you extrapolate psychological meaning from so little? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Right. Um, and, and what happened with that is that we were able to 
I, I was able, I was the person who was primarily uh, responsible for the content, uh, the defenses. Uh, Mac and I shared the content coding and he was responsible, of course, for um, generating the picture set in the first place. So yes. this was a project that uh, he had started that he invited me on to do uh, concurrent validity with the AI. I was delighted to join the project. But as it turned out, I ended up being in a role, uh, again, thanks to his generosity. I, I've known some very generous people in my life, mm -hmm. um, uh, colleagues. And uh, I ended up being more of a contributor than we ever thought would mm -hmm. occur because using an AAI based approach with with coherency he was able to differentiate secure and insecure but he was not different able to differentiate the patterns of insecurity oh yes yes um, um well a point that i wanted to make is that in order to to differentiate among the insecure classification uh, yes. groups which are the the same groups that we re retained yes. that's something yes. else that we retained from the ai yes. uh although we've diverged from that now and i can talk about that later but the four groups uh in order to differentiate the insecure groups we needed the defensive processes and that's what had demonstrated empirically the differentiation for children and for mothers in the caregiving interview and the doll play uh and so it was a painstaking process, but we used the children's themes, we used the mother's words, we used the client's words the, and our, our research participants' words. And we basically developed a, a pretty, what our, our people who are learning the AP think it's a pretty intricate system of evaluating words, which is what you were reading in the examples yes. of the stories that you saw. Yes. And people will say, you know, well, how did you know that? Well, when the word rejection is used, it's a form of, of what we call deactivation following boldly because Mary Ains were said so. You know? yes. <laughs> That's yes. how we knew that. So I think one of the, um, one, one of the perhaps this is serendipity, having had so many years of background and training and attachment assessment and working with Judith on validating our assessments, uh, it just seemed natural to that it was all integrated. It was a fluid integration into the AAP, basically. Yes, yes. Um, so let me see if I can summarize this a little bit for our listeners, and you can tell me if I'm getting it sure, right. Sure, go or for it. it. Wrong. So at least in the beginning, and you'll you'll share more with us later. You w were using the the same for. Um, classifications that we have in the AAI, so secure, autonomous, um, dismissing, preoccupied, and disorganized. So just so yeah. listeners unresolved. get that. Yeah. Unresolved. Excuse me. Yes, the adult. Sorry. Um, so that is what you were doing initially. Um, and then um, you were also pulling upon AAI research and this different story stem completions and the assessments that you described um, to help with that. And you then came up with seven pictures that, or, or, or before that, came up with these seven pictures that we're going to be talking about that are the projective that can find the same, it can correlate with what the adult attachment interview classification gives except it can do it 
more quickly because this assessment takes about a half hour, right? Yes, that's correct. Okay. So is that all of that's correct. You're grimacing. You know how long it, it takes. It's yeah. Yeah. Hour to administer. Well, I mean, that, half hour to, yeah. to transcribe and, you know, yes. no more than an hour to, that's the part that blows me away is no more than an hour for most people to code. So that, that is also amazing because that, you know, the adult attachment interview can take much longer than that. So, okay. Well, I just kind of wanted to, you know, br- bring all those pieces together. So, so good in this whole idea of that you talked about with the deactivation and the cognitive disconnection and then the segregated systems that again um readers i suggest you go to dr george's writing about this because it's just a whole other way to understand these classifications that has not been talked about a lot that i found extremely helpful so the, the clinical application, so a lot of what's happening with EAP is more in the clinic than it is in research. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are individuals who are using research, uh, using the EAP in research, but it, it very quickly moved into the clinical realm, and that's primarily most of the work I do with EAP is, is now training clinicians as compared with 20 years ago when it was primarily researchers. And... Um, clinicians, many of whom are psychoanalysts or at least are friendly towards the idea of defense, uh, have just claimed that the, the way that we could measure defenses has been a tremendous contribution to their practice. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also the case that by looking at these stories, uh, the AAP is poised to help clinicians explain to clients that it's not their fault. Mm-hmm. And that's really the beauty of attachment theory in general is that mm. because our biology is seeking uh, a homeostasis and a balance that we equate with attachment security, yes. uh, when that doesn't happen, it's not our fault. But it also opens up the idea that it's not necessarily the parent's fault either, which harkens back to the AAI question of why do you think your parents were the way they were? Mm -hmm. Uh, And so it opens the door towards exploration. Uh, The AAP stories open the door to exploration in a pretty unthreatening way Mm -hmm. as compared to being confronted with telling your own life history and a lot of the work that I do is in trauma and it's Mm -hmm. very hard to talk about those uh, events. Uh, It is the case that the AAP has turned out to be more trauma sensitive Mm -hmm. than the AAI. Uh, Many years ago, Susan Speaker published a paper that's in a book that Judith and I wrote called uh, Disorganized Attachment Caregiving. This came out in 2011. And uh, Dr. Speaker described how in this population, mothers with whom she'd been working over time, um, how their descriptions of trauma in the AAI uh, changed. Sometimes they'd talk about it, sometimes they wouldn't, or the way that they would talk about it. I think she did three three points in time, if I remember correctly, with many of these mothers. Um, the point being that 
when one is asked to describe what has happened in one's life, your defensive processing system is more likely to kick in. Yes. Uh, which is why on the AAI, this dismissing individual, one, one group of those just say, I can't remember. What they're mm -hmm. really saying is, I can't remember in part because I don't want to see, <laughs> I don't want to name. And they truly at the conscious level can't remember. Okay, and then some individuals will say, I don't remember as a way of shutting down conversational discount, of course, meaning don't ask. I'm yeah. not going there. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you know, Maine writes about the AI is surprising in the unconscious. Well, the AAP really surprises the unconscious. Yes, yes. Well, um, Dr. George, this has just been fascinating so far. Um, listeners, I want you to join us next week as we continue our conversation with Dr. George. We've laid a lot of great groundwork. And next week, we can get into more specifics about these seven pictures and what they're able to do. So please join us next week. Thank you so far, Dr. George. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for joining us for this edition of the Attachment Theory in Action podcast. Please follow our site, tkcchaddock.org, or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts for future episodes. If you enjoy our podcast, please leave a review and share with your professional network. For additional resources, training opportunities, and blogs, please visit tkcchaddock.org. We hope you'll join us again as we continue to explore the world of adoption, trauma, and attachment theory.